Hello, and welcome to the Calvary Road Baptist Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Paul Shirley, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen. Each week, we will be releasing sermons and studies delivered directly from the pulpit at our church. Our goal with this podcast from Calvary Road Baptist Church is to make the gospel and sound biblical preaching more available to a wider audience. We hope that these sermons will be a blessing and an encouragement to you each week. As the scripture reads in Psalm 119 and verse 116, Uphold me according unto thy word, that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Now, let's hear from God's word. Luke chapter 14 this morning. Luke chapter 14 and verse number 25. I have a a thought continuing in the same passage we looked at last week. We'll read these verses again together. Uh, Once you find your place there in your Bible, and I hope you've got your Bible with you this morning. I was thinking this morning as we were singing, and and I know that it's convenient to have these screens up for us to use to help with things. I also know it helps with those watching on the live stream. But don't let the screen replace your Bible. Bring your Bible with you to church. It's an honor to do that. I was talking to a preacher recently. He told me about a church in his hometown where if you go uh, and you are a preacher, you are not supposed to bring your Bible. Now, that's crazy, unless you're the one preaching. Uh, That if someone were to walk in the back, a preacher, and have their Bible, that that would be a statement of, I'm here to preach and you're going to let me. That's, that's, That's not what this is about. This Bible is the most precious thing we have. And it's an honor to have one. Let me encourage encourage you. uh, Bring your Bible to church. Amen. Read your Bible. Love your Bible. Care about your Bible. And bring it. And when you're here, uh, especially at the beginning, I know sometime I'll throw out a lot of verses, but especially at the beginning, you got your Bible, turn with me. Let's go there together. Uh, It's more personal that way for you. Amen. And for me. We're there together, and we're looking here in our Bible. Let me also encourage you, and this is nothing to do with my message, let me also encourage you, Get you a Bible that means something to you. I've probably got a dozen Bibles. Amen. We joke about Callie having 14 Bibles with her name in them in Sunday school because we kept finding Bibles at her name in them. Find one that you have that means something to you. Amen. A lot of Bibles, you get it, you open it up there at the front, it'll have something written down where someone gave it to you. Amen. It'll have a date or something like that. This one I bought uh, the first Christmas a gift that the church gave us as the first year as my pastor, I went and bought this Bible because I, I wanted a new Bible that was sort of signifying something. You know, I know maybe that's a little sentimental, but it says Pastor Paul Shirley on the front of it, and this right here, this Bible means something to me. Amen. I love it. I, it, I think it's beautiful. I like the green cover. I, I like the font. I like reading it. I like carrying it. Get one that means something to you. Amen. It's got some value uh, that you don't want to see get stepped on. Amen, that you don't want to forget somewhere. And it'll help you to love your Bible even more. Amen, just an encouragement. Uh, Stand with me if you've got your Bible. Turn to Luke chapter 14 there uh, and and read along with us. Luke 14 and verse number 25. We'll read a few verses and we'll ask the Lord to help us this morning. Luke 14 and verse number 25, the Bible says, And there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me, And hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters. Yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? 
lest haply after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it all, that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going to make war against another king sitteth not down first and consulteth whether he be able with 10,000 to meet him that cometh against him with 20,000. Or else, while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an ambassage and desireth conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, God, we are so thankful, Lord, for your love. God, we're so thankful for your goodness. Lord, we're thankful that your mercy endureth forever. God, we praise you today for allowing us in your grace, in your mercy, in your compassion, Lord, in your greatness, allowing us to come together in your house today. God, I thank you for each one that's here. God, I thank you for each soul that's tuning in on the live stream. God, I pray today, help me to preach this word, Lord, as you've delivered it to my heart. God, I pray, help me to preach it uh, with fervency, God, with urgency, God, with, a, with an unction from the Holy Ghost. Help me, God, to stand and to deliver your word with the power, Lord, that it merits. God, I pray this morning, help me. God, I am an unworthy vessel, Lord, but I pray that you'd fill me and use me as you see fit. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Just by a quick way of, of introduction and kind of recapping what we talked about last week, we discussed how that in this passage there went a great multitude with him. And how that oftentimes during the Lord's ministry there would be a multitude that would follow after him uh, for whatever reason, whether it be to, to hear something he would say or to see something he would do, that they might see some miracle or have some experience. And we talked about how that there were twelve uh, that he had called out specifically, uh, and all of those with the exception of Judas Iscariot, uh, and then with the addition of Matthias and the Apostle Paul, went on to be known as the Apostles, which means, uh, coming from that Greek word apostolos, meaning to send away or to be sent, so that those, 12, those Apostles were those who were sent by God to really be the, the nascent birth of the church, amen, to begin with the preaching of the Gospel, and to go out after that day of Pentecost, and then with the Apostle Paul and all the world, and to not only go out and to preach the Word and build the church, but also they penned the New Testament, leading the church, that they were the sent ones. Amen. But then we discussed how that in Matthew 10, we know that they were called His twelve disciples before they were ever called apostles. And a disciple comes from the Greek word mathetes, meaning a learner, uh, that is a pupil or a student, a follower, who is adherent to the doctrines of another. So we discussed how that before those men could ever become apostles and be sent, they first had to be disciples who followed. Amen. Before they could ever become apostles who were sent, they had to be disciples who followed, who learned, who studied after Him. Amen. And that it was only after years of following Him that they were able to then go forward and be sent. Amen. So we discuss what it really means to be a disciple, how that the Lord is looking for some men and women who will be His students, who will be His servants, and who will be His successors, that they will go forth in His name. Amen. That these are His disciples. And last week we began looking at this question that we should all ask ourselves, am I a true disciple of Jesus Christ? It is easy to say that I'm a disciple of Christ, that I follow Christ, or, or that I am a student of Christ, but it is another thing altogether to truly be a disciple of Jesus Christ. 
In fact, it is so important that in the passage we've read this morning, the Lord Jesus did something that, can I be honest, we don't like. He put requirements on us. Amen. Nobody likes requirements. Nobody likes being told what they've got to do or what they cannot do in order to do something they want to do. Amen. They think they ought to be able to just have what they want to have and do what they want to do. I mean, that's just human nature. But here in this passage, the Lord turns to a great multitude. And by the way, let me just mention this. There are uh, most men, let me say that, most men, if they found themselves being followed by a great multitude, would not want to say anything to make those people go away. Would you agree? I mean, you don't want to lose a following, right? You don't want to lose your congregation. You don't want to lose your, your crowd, the people that have come out to see you. You don't want to do anything to make them leave. But can I tell you right now that that never mattered to Jesus? Jesus had grace, but He also had truth. And what He told them here was both, grace and truth. Because He did not want them to continue on the path they were going on thinking that they could do as they pleased and everything would turn out the way they wanted it to. And so instead, he turned to them and he told them, if you want to be a disciple of mine, you want to truly be a disciple, well, that's going to mean some things in your life. Really, more than anything, if you read down through this passage, you could look at it like this, that the Lord is warning them, if you stay with me, and you continue to follow me, and you choose to be a disciple, there are some things that it's going to cost you. Amen? It wouldn't have been right for him to say, oh, come along, it'll be fine. Everything will work out. Nothing's going to happen to you. Y'all know how things went for the disciples, don't you? Didn't take long at all for them to start being killed for what they believed. I imagine as the Lord turned back and told them, as we read there in that first verse, of verse number 25, and then in verse number 26, how he told them, if any man come after me and hate not his father, mother, wife, children, and brethren, sisters, yea, he cannot be to my disciples, I wonder if those words rang in some of those men's ears as they were martyred for their belief. And I wonder if they knew in those moments, well, I chose him, and he told me there was going to be a cost. Luke 14, 25, we saw the priorities of a disciple, how that the Lord showed them that if we are going to follow him, and we are going to be his disciple, it does not mean that you should actually hate your father and your mother and your family. What it means is this, Christ must be first before your wife, before your husband, before your children, before your mother or your father, and yea, your own life also, as he said, Christ must be first. That the condition in his statement and the contrast present there, he explains it in a, in a passage that's parallel in Matthew 10, 37, where he said, he that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Very simply said this, if you're going to be worthy to serve God and you're going to be my disciple, you cannot be a casual Christian. Amen. Casual Christianity will never amount to any growth. You can read about it in the book of Hebrews. How that the writer of Hebrews said that at such time as you should be teachers... You need that someone teach you again the very principles, the very basic things of the gospel because all you can handle is milk when you should be ready for strong meat. And he's talking about those who've been in this thing for a long time and have never grown. You know who those people are. Those people 
are the great multitude in verse number 25. They come to Christ for what they can receive, but they have nothing to offer. Now, can I tell you, I have nothing to offer that God couldn't get somewhere else, but what I have to offer, He wants it. Amen. He wants what I have. Just like that young man who brought that basket with the fish and the loaves. It was a meager meal. Very meager. And he fed 5,000 men, not counting women and children, with what that little bit he had. So don't tell me, well, I'll, I'll never be a preacher. I'll never be a great singer. I, I can't play an instrument. I'm not good with this. I'll never be a teacher. I don't, I, don't, I don't really need to know what it is that you think you have to offer God. You just need to offer what you have to God. Which, and you know what he wants? He wants your life. He wants to be first in your life. Amen. We saw the priorities of a disciple. Number two, today I want to show you the second statement here in verse number 27. As we read, he said this, And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. When I think of the cross, of course, we think of Jesus. Right? But that cross... At the time of this statement that the Lord made, did not represent the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus had not yet been crucified. It did not represent the redemption of our sins as we view it now. We look on the cross, and right now you can see there's a cross on that screen up there. And if the screen was up, you can see that wooden cross we have on that back wall there. And we see the cross in many things. There's one back there on that missions board. And and someone may be wearing a piece of jewelry with a cross. And to us, it has such a, an enormous meaning. And it had an enormous meaning to them as well. But it's not the same as the one that it means for us. When we think of the cross, we think of Jesus. We think of salvation. We think of grace. We think of the completion of the law. We think of the resurrection of the dead, right? We think of, of the gospel of Christ. But this is Christ before the gospel, the events of the gospel, had completed. And he said this, if any man is going to come after me, he said, whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. The cross to these people represented only pain, suffering, and shame. The cross was a conviction, a punishment, that the Jews would not use. Amen. They believed cursed was everything that hanged on a tree. They did not use the cross. The cross was a Roman device. And the Jews, we know, were under Roman rule at this time. And as the Lord said, Whoever, whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me, there was a specific imagery that he was trying to represent to them. The bearing of a cross we can see in the example of Jesus Christ. And that example was... And not just Jesus Christ, but also those two thieves. The example was that the convict who was convicted and sentenced to a death by crucifixion was to bear his cross to the place of his crucifixion. Amen. It was a weight, a heavy weight, such a heavy weight that in the case of Christ, after having been scourged almost to the point of not being recognizable as a man at all, could not physically bear it, and so they called on Simon of Cyrene to bear it for him. That the convict would bear his cross and go to the place of his death. Let me submit this to you. From the time that a convict took up their cross, 
They could not lay it down until they came to their death. Can you see that? This, this lends itself, and this isn't in my notes today, but it lends itself to the same statement that the Lord said, any man putting his hand to the plow looking back is not fit for the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, because the truth is the cross is a life sentence. The Lord is speaking, he spoke first of the priorities of, of a disciple, but now he is speaking of the pain of a disciple. The Lord had a lot to say about the pain that being his disciple would bring. And this right here is not a shouter, let me just tell you. It's not something that I expect to see anybody just weeping and throwing hands in the air and rejoicing. But it's fact. It's Bible. The Lord said in Matthew chapter 10, verse 38, He that taketh not his cross and followeth after me, followeth after me is not Worthy of me. Just as the Lord said, one who is not willing to put me first in their life cannot be my disciple. He now is explaining, not only putting me first will get you to be a disciple, but if you're going to be a disciple, you're also going to have to understand this, that to be a disciple of me is to endure some things. The first thing that we see that the cross is that I want to show you today, the cross is an emblem of of submission. Luke chapter 9 and verse 23. Jesus is speaking and He said to them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Y'all see that? What are those two words? Say it with me. Deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what is a man advantage if he gain the whole world and lose himself? In another place he said, lose his own soul or be cast away. For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and my words of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he shall come in his own glory and in his Father's and the holy and of the holy angels. We see the emblem of submission in the cross. Can I submit to you now? Uh, first, under this thought, I want to show you the reflection of submission. And you'll see this in all the things we're going to look at, that the cross... The Lord Jesus told them to be a disciple of Christ is to bear your cross long before they would see Him bear His cross. Amen. But you know what He was going to do? He was going to show them. He was going to show them what it meant to endure the cross. He was going to show them what it meant to embrace the submission of the cross. You know that we know that Jesus, no one took His life. Did y'all know that the Romans didn't make Jesus go to the cross? There's no whipping they could have done, no sword they could have drawn, crown of thorns they could have beat into his head, or mocking they could have done that would have made him go to the cross and made him go to Calvary. But it did take submission. It took him submitting to the will of his Father. The night before his death, as he kneels down in the Garden of Gethsemane praying, he said, Father, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. The cross was always about submission. And boy, do we hate submitting. Nobody ever heard a, mission on, uh, a message on submission, and when they heard the preacher get started, thought, oh, yes. Nobody ever. Nobody likes to submit. My children don't like to submit. 
Did yours? Did yours? Maybe mine are just the maybe mine are just the odd ones out, but I'll just tell you, my children don't like to submit. The older they get, the less they like to submit. Amen. I don't like to submit. You ever had anybody, Brother Jason, at work tell you to do something in a hateful spirit? Does it make you want to do it? Hey, get this done. What are you doing? Does it make you want to do it? No. Nobody likes an order. We can handle an order wrapped in a suggestion or a compliment sandwich. Y'all know what a compliment sandwich is, right? Man, you're doing a great job. Man, I just love what you're doing. Uh, one, you know what, though? You know what would be good, better if we did this? Wouldn't that be better? I, I mean, you're so good at this. I know that you can take care of that. It's a compliment sandwich. It's much easier to digest than growling and yelling and red-facedness. But either way, it submits to the same thing. I'm telling you what to do, and you've got to do it. The Lord God, the Father, told His Son, you've got to go to the cross. He did not want to do it. Otherwise, why would He said, be thy will, let this cup pass from me. If there's any other way, God, is, if there was any other way, Lord, but I'm going to do what you want. The cross is an emblem of submission. Let me read you some scripture real quickly. Luke chapter 9, we've read there, verse 23. In John chapter 5, the Lord said this, John chapter 5, verse 30, I can of mine own self do nothing, as I hear I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. Philippians chapter 2, we spent a, a, a number of months in this church going through the book of Philippians and Sunday night services, and in Philippians chapter 2, here's what Paul said, let this mind be in you which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of man, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became, look at this, obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. The reflection of submission is in Christ Jesus. He is the image of submission. Who? The King of kings. The Lord of lords. The only begotten Son of God. What a submissive man. God eternal. There in the beginning, where John told us there was not anything made without Him. That He spoke the world into existence. That when God said, let there be light, it was the Word, Jesus, the Son of God, and His power that brought it. He laid all that aside. Why? To be obedient unto the death of His cross. I wonder if, as Jesus said, if any man's going to follow me, you're going to be my disciple, you must bear your cross, if he could already feel the weight. He's an emblem of submission. And if we wish to be his disciple, we must learn and follow his example of submission. The reception of submission is this. Jesus said this, if you're going to come after me, if you're going to come, if you're going to follow me, if you're going to be my disciple, he said, if any man will be my disciple, if you're going to come, if you're going to try to follow me, if you're going to do it, then whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me, he cannot be my disciple. And in Luke chapter 9, we read it there. You know what he said? He said, if any man will come after me, he said, let him deny himself. That's the reception of submission. The reception of submission is this. You don't have to. 
Not now. Now there will come a day when every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That moment will come, but this morning I'm talking to Christians mostly. Right? I mean, there may be someone here this morning who's never been saved. And can I tell you, if you've never been saved, today's the day. Amen. You ain't got to wait till I'm done. I wouldn't wait. I would not wait. But I'll tell you this, those of us today who are saved and we're Christians, did you know you have a choice? We talked about individual soul liberty a couple Sundays ago on Sunday night. That God is a gentleman. He's not going to force you to submit. He's not going to put his hands on you and make you do what he wants. Instead, he sent his son to die for you and has given you all the grace you need and he's asking you to submit to his will. Why? Because it's good for you. It's good for you. It's health. It's good. God wants to help you. He wants what's best for you, and he knows what's best for you. Submit. It's a reception. You have the option whether or not to receive it. That's why Jesus said this. If you're going to bear your cross, here's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to deny yourself. You know what that means, to deny yourself? It means tell yourself no. That's tough, isn't it? And what I mean when I say that is this. It is literally difficult to tell myself no. Just bring me a box of Christmas tree cakes, and I'll show you how weak I am. Should I? No. But am I going to? Maybe. Denying ourselves is not something that anybody likes to do. But if we are going to be disciples, we're going to have to learn. Are y'all, are y'all listening? We're going to have to learn to submit. A lot of preachers, and I'll say this, a lot of preachers and a lot of, a lot of men over the, over the ages have loved harping on wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands. But you know what the rest of that verse says? As unto the Lord. Is that in the Bible? Absolutely. Is it true? Absolutely. But do you know what? No man ought to ever, ever ask his wife to be submissive if he's not submissive to his God. Not for one second. A wife that is submissive to her husband is a wife who is submissive to a husband who's submissive to God. And they are all submissive to God. God is not interested in our pride. God is not interested in what we think and what we think is best and what we want to do and all those things. Here's what he's interested in. Submission. If he was going to ask Jesus to do it, you better believe he wants the same from us. Can we say amen? I know that's not fun preaching, but can we say amen? Titus chapter number 2 verse 11 says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Very simply, that if we are going to serve God and we've been saved, God's given us the grace, we need to deny ungodliness. We need to deny ourselves. We need to deny sin. And we need to serve God. Romans chapter 6 verse 15 What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? As we just read there in Titus 2 that the grace of God's brought salvation and it's appeared unto all men. So now we're under grace and we're not under the law. So since we're under grace and well we know God will forgive us, shouldn't we just go ahead and sin? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. You know what Romans 6 verse 16 says? Everybody's a servant. Doesn't it? Everybody serves something. You're either a servant of sin or a servant of righteousness. 
And you know what makes you a servant? What's it say? No, you're not that to whom ye... What's that word? That to whom ye yield. It's like that yellow light. Nobody likes the yellow light. People hate the yellow light more than the red light. Amen. They hate that yellow light. They don't want to slam on their brakes. They're looking around. They want to be the one to go through. When you see a yellow light, what it means is yield. That's what they teach you when you're... When, any of y'all kids are studying for your permit, license, and all that stuff, that yellow light means yield. That means if you see something else going on, you be a gentleman and let that happen. Slow down. It's not your turn. That's what yellow means. It's not your turn. Yield. That you are giving in to something, something else and someone else. Yielding is denying yourself and giving to something else. So when you yield to something, this verse says, to whom ye yield yourselves... Servants to obey, His servants ye are. So, are you the servant of the Savior? Or are you a servant to sin? It is a matter of what you say yes to and what you say no to. Paul could not have made it any more plain. And let me just submit it to you right now, very simply. It doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what you think. Jesus said it, and Paul's saying it here. It is so plain, it is so simple. If you say yes to sin, you're a servant of sin. If you say yes to the Savior, you're a servant of God. Which one are you saying yes to? Well, I'm saying yes to God, that's why I'm here. Well, how do you respond to the preaching when the preaching touches your sin? When we read Titus chapter 2, how that we're to be sober. Amen. How that we're to live godly. And we're to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts. And when we get to talking about those things and we look at those things and the Bible gets right down in your business, do you say yes, God, or do you say yes to sin? Whichever one you're saying yes to is your master. Amen? We're talking about submission. I know this is fun. We're talking about submission. And you don't see it that way. You think, no, 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 what I'm doing, when I say I'm going to do what I want is I, I, I'm being my own master. You're making the devil your master. You're making sin your master. By letting your wicked flesh lead you around by the nose and give it whatever it wants. When the God of heaven, who sent His Son to die for your sins, says, you want to follow me, you're going to have to deny yourself. So when you're always telling yourself, yes, 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 even when it doesn't line up with the Word of God, you're denying Christ. Can you see that? So I want to be a disciple of Christ. I, I want to go. I want to do something for God. and I want to be a blessing to the church. And I want to be a, I want to be a spiritual leader in my home and in my family. And, and I want to please my God. You're going to have to deny yourself. When's the last time? I know I've already been 30 minutes. We may not get any further. When is the last time you told yourself no? For God. Honestly. Man, can I tell you, growing up, this is the only kind of preaching we heard. All preaching was mean preaching. <laughs> it was either mean preaching or shouting preaching. And there was no middle ground. It's not quite like that anymore. Now you get up and you say the sort of things that I'm talking about, and can I tell you, I've not, I've not called out any real specific sins, have I? I've really just read some verses and gave it to you and went on. I could. But I don't think I have to. As far as I know, the Holy Ghost is here. As far as I know, the Holy Ghost is the one who leads us. And the Holy Ghost is the one who convicts us. Isn't that right, Brother Tim? The Bible says that if we're children, 
we are all partakers of chastisement. That if you don't have that, you're not a son. You know what the Bible says? Those he loves, he chasteneth. And as I look around this morning, I ask you a question. Are you saved? Are you saved? Say amen if you're saved. Amen. Amen. A lot of saved folk. Yesterday morning, something crazy happened in the, in the service we're in. Weirdest invitation I've ever seen in my life. Preacher asked, he got up, he didn't really preach, he, he gave a little verse for about 10 minutes, and he, he had all the pastors come up. This is weird. I was uncomfortable, and I wasn't sure about it, but I'm going to tell you, God did something. And all the pastors come up front, and he said, if any of your people were here, he said, you ought to be able to look at your pastor in his eyes and say, I promise you, I'm going to heaven, Amen. and I'll see you there. Promise you. Now, anybody this morning who just said amen easily ought to be able to look at me and say that. Because I'm going. And I'm glad you're going. Amen. And, and these young people, Brother Dennis, Miss Wendy, they come up one by one, looked me in my eye, and told me, Brother Paul, I'm saved. I know I'm saved. I'll see you in heaven. And the Lord did a work in my heart. I'm going to tell you, He did. He did a great work in my heart. And it was wonderful. If you're saved, this is for you. If you're saved, this is for you. There's more than just missing hell. God, we talked this morning in Sunday school about a man named Richard Dawkins, a scientific philosophist whose determination in life as an atheist is he has come to this realization. Nothing matters. The universe is pitiless, pointless, and purposeless. There is no such thing as good, there is no such thing as evil. There is no such thing as God. We don't believe that. In fact, we know better. God has revealed Himself. He's manifest Himself. In the heart of every living being on the earth, there is a knowledge of God. And to say there's not is to reject what you were born knowing. The fact is this. This morning as I look around, I say, are you saved? And you say, amen. Are you going to heaven or are you destined for hell? It is a simple question. And if you say amen, then let me submit this to you. You want to follow Christ? You're going to have to submit. Can you live as a rebellious son? As a rebellious daughter? Yes. But I would not recommend it. Yeah, you can. You can live life for you. You can tell your flesh yes. You can do as you please. You can lay your cross down. And you can step to the side and you can live a life of sin. But let me warn you, be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. I could give you accounts, stories, people I know whose lives have become enveloped in corruption. Saved people. And do you know why? Because they sow to their flesh. That means every time the flesh says, can we? They say, sure. Every time the flesh says, I want that, and the Spirit says no, they say, I want that. I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to go where I want. And they think, oh, I'm free. But what they really are is they're under the dominion of sin. They're doing as Galatians chapter 5 says, where he said, stand fast therefore in the liberty or with Christ had made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. When you got saved, God cut you free from all your sin. Clean slate. How foolish is it to go back and wrap yourself up with the same chains? But we do it. We do it. And this morning as we look at the cross, before we get to the suffering 
of the cross, before we get to the shame of the cross, we've got to deal with the submission. It is a fact of life that there's suffering in life. It's a fact of life that, that the cross is going to bring you some shame. But can I tell you, you won't have to deal with that if you don't submit. And if you don't submit, you'll miss out on all the glorious blessings of being a disciple of Christ. I wish this morning, and I'm going to close here, I wish this morning that you, me, every one of us, every single adult, teenager, young person in this place will be saved. And that every one of us that is saved would be a true disciple. Can you imagine what God could do in our community with a group this size of truly sold out, all in, Christ first submitted disciples? As I read the passage, here's what I read. There was a great multitude. And I know that when Jesus spoke these words, most of the ones who heard it walked away and never picked up their cross. Or at least not for some time. I don't know all their individual testimonies, Brother Tim. All I know is this, they went away. They went away. What are you going to do? Are you going to be a disciple, a true disciple? Are you going to submit to God? I don't know what God's wanting you to do. I don't know why the Lord made this such a big deal this morning. I'll be honest, I wasn't planning on this. I plan on just giving you some of these verses and little things and going on to the next outline. I have my outline all prepared and ready. But I can tell you this, God wants your life. He wants your life. He wants your children's lives. You can sow to yourself or you can sow to Him. What are you doing? Where are you at with that this morning? Where are you at with God? Are you at war with God? Or are you in submission to God? Is God having to pull and prod and push to get you to do just the smallest thing? Or are you in submission to God? Are you in unity with the Lord this morning because you're saying this, your will is my will. Your desire is my desire. God, make me like you. God, make me as a disciple. Make me as a servant. Help me to deny myself, to deny ungodliness, to deny the flesh. God, I want to serve you with my whole life. Is that you? Or are you at war with God? Is God having, is God, is God having to submit to your will in your heart? And say... Okay, do as you please. He's not going to make you. Now, he'll never say, okay, you're right, but he'll say this, you can do as you please. The Holy Ghost is never going to say, I won't let you do that. And take over your body like a puppeteer and hold you back. But what he is going to do is he's going to weep and grieve when he is constantly trying to get your attention, constantly trying to turn you toward him, and you're constantly turning away. 
It grieves him. It hurts him. He's looking for true disciples. What are you going to do? Amen. Let's all stand. Thank you again for listening to the Calvary Road Baptist Church podcast. If you would like to learn more about our church in Shepherdsville, Kentucky, you can find the link to our website in the show notes to www.calvaryroadbaptistchurch.com. We're so thankful that you've taken the time to listen to today's sermon, and we hope that the Lord will use it to edify you in the faith. If you'd like to help spread the word about this podcast, you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts or by telling a friend. Thank you again, and have a blessed day in the Lord. Thank you.